welcome back to the Wacky Wonderful Show. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Joe. This is the last week of Star Wars, and I think we need to open up this episode by saying that we have had a continual and uh, like constant lack of in our judgment. Yes. Open it up like that Logan Paul yeah. apology. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, you're referring to the old Kenobi show, correct? Yeah, so to, just to clear things up here. When the video comes out and you guys see it, the first one when it came out, you guys probably looked at it and you were like, uh, they're wrong. And you looked it up on your phone. You said it's May 24th mm-hmm. for the release date for Kenobi. <laughs> right. right. When we looked it up on the show on on our phones, on Google, it said March 24th. It did. <sighs> I don't. I, the thing is, we both had eyeballs on it mm-hmm. and we both saw March. Yeah. That can't have been the fact because even the trailer that's been out says May on it. Right. In it. But we don't always usually go to the very end of the trailer. No, we didn't go to the end of the trailer to look. Right. We just, I just Googled. So what happened was when you Googled, somebody put the wrong date. I don't know. I don't know. It, it had to have been our mistake. Either right? that or we're both so dyslexic. Not dyslexic. We just, we're, uh, we're seeing hallucinations. We, I, what we it's want. just weird that we both saw. Yeah, maybe it was we wanted it to be March. because it would be that week. We wanted. We it were like, so oh, bad. March twenty fifth. We manifested that's this week. We, we manifested. Wanted, it. We manifested to see March. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we wanted. So, well, whether that is you know the case or not, we did say another week of Star Wars. We did, and we're here to give it to and you. We're here to give it to you. And in light of that. Both of our segments are going to involve Kenobi. Not yeah. necessarily the show, but a little bit. And when this episode comes out, we'll be much closer yeah. to the Kenobi date. Absolutely. So that's going to be really fun. Um, and hopefully by then we'll have a little bit more information. Yeah. And um, if you're if you're watching this, you're probably already a fan of the podcast. But if you are not, when the Kenobi show comes out, we will be giving our thoughts on the Wise Works podcast. So if you want to hear our thoughts at length, that's going to be the best place. It's on the channel you're watching this now. However, you may not stick around for that show. You may not stick around for the podcast. Yeah. So just a reminder, that's the place to be for our week-to-week thoughts, mm-hmm. for being truly honest. Uh, there's something I wanted to talk about that has nothing okay. to do with Star Wars, and okay. I, don't, I don't think we should talk about it because oh. I think we should probably talk about it like on the Midnight Special. It has to do with the Oscars. Yeah, we'll we'll get into <laughs> the Oscar stuff. It's been out for the people watching this. It's been out for weeks. It's been out for weeks. That's on, the problem. On the Midnight Special. Yeah. We can get into it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's nuts what happened. Either way. Um, for us, it's fresh. It happened like two days ago. Yeah. And I think you. I, I, I think you're going to be talking a lot about your boy Greg Frazier. <laughs> Winning, winning that Oscar. That's right. I've analyzed so much of Greg Frazier's work on this show, and I am a Superboy fan. Yeah, he was looking real snazzy. Yeah, at the uh, the Oscars, and also, um, he paid. His speech was elegant. Oh, I didn't watch the speech. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I heard like the tail end of it. Him giving his thanks, and I think he threw a cheers in there at one point. Nice. I think he threw, um, he talked about his wife slightly, I believe. That's good. It was beautiful. Well, as long the as best he, speech out as there. As long as he's not throwing hands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the standard was pretty low. Right. Greg Frazier, what a beautiful cinematographer. Uh, he's doing he's doing the Lord's work out there mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Doing Dune. Doing Dune. That's right. And it's he's he did a great job. He completely earns that Oscar. I'm not sure how I feel about Oscars in general these days. Yeah. But as I said, we will get into that on the podcast. However, today we said we're going to talk about Kenobi. Mm-hmm. What are what what was a little teaser? What might you be getting into? Uh, we're going to be talking so kind of wrapping up this Star Wars mm-hmm. wacky wonderful show that we've been going on. Um there's so much Star Wars 
it's hard to do all the Star Wars. Yes. We can't cover everything. No, we and can't. And so we've kind of niched into um, what's coming out right now, what's come out in the past. Yes. Analyzing that kind of stuff and having some fun with it. And so this final episode, we're going to be looking into a little bit of um, story from the Clone Wars okay, uh, about Obi-Wan Kenobi, a scene that happens that I think adds a lot of nuance to his character and a lot of things that perhaps we can expect to see uh, echoes mm-hmm. of this moment okay. in the new show. Uh, and I'm going to be talking a lot about kind of the things in Kenobi's life that I think will truly affect the show. That's exciting. This being, this being one of them. Yeah. We have to explore where Kenobi is in the story mm-hmm. at the moment that we are going to be jumping into this new live action yeah. portion of the galaxy timeline. So in doing that, we have to be aware. You are here to help us do that. I'm excited to learn. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize this, how much Maul, how much Maul oh, yeah. plays a role in Kenobi's life during the Clone Wars, during Rebels. Maul makes such a big comeback. I think Filoni, I was skeptical when I first, when the show was airing on TV, and I saw, I was like, they're bringing back Darth Maul. What a dumb decision. He's dead. Why can't we just leave him dead? But as I got older, and I realized that Darth Maul should have been the main antagonist for the first three movies, Mm. he really should have. It should have been either him uh general grievous or count dooku they should have picked one mm-hmm. um and yet they chose all three and they chose all three for some <laughs> uh i think that it was a great decision by dave filoni to bring maul back uh, and make him such a good character and by good, you mean such a bad character. Such a bad character. Such a bad one. And what's amazing, and I'm going to get into this, into the video, uh, is how he acts in this scene is the same way he acts in the last scene I analyzed with him in it. Yeah. He's the same person. He hasn't changed. And that's part of the circle. That's what I'm going to be going <laughs> on and on about. So, uh just as a little teaser for what I'm going to mention in my video, do you think there's a Fibonacci rule regarding storytelling? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. A repeating pattern, always. Interesting. Yeah. Well, actually, you kind of touched on that last week. There's always a repeating pattern. Yeah, and repeating patterns are good, um, but they can also be a hindrance. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to keep repeat. You don't want that repeating pattern because it's like uh, a repeating pattern will get larger and larger. Mm-hmm. And I think by definition, get harder to comprehend. Gotcha. When it's small, you can see everything that's happening, you know, as you as as it frays outwards, mm-hmm. uh, it gets harder to see. And that was kind of what happened with the sequels. Okay. You know? With the J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson yes, movies. Yes, It felt like that spiral got out of control. Mm-hmm. And they just were trying to do the same thing, but new things. And the same thing, but new things. And new things, but old things. It just, it felt, and that's kind of, that's a little bit of my worry for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Is that we are. It's going to keep seeing the Avengers over know, and over again. We, we saw like that perfect arc. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I don't want that spiral to go out of control with the multiverse and stuff. I definitely hear your concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to affirm your concerns and tell you yeah. most likely it's going to happen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I will still try to enjoy the Marvel movies. I think yeah. I think you can still create good stories within what they're doing. Uh, hopefully they'll keep it contained we'll just tame yeah tame just tame it up just a hair and make make things make sense Mm -hmm. you know tame up your storytelling yeah um you've got it seems okay i wouldn't say you've gotten pickier i think doing this show week to week to week Mm -hmm. i think we're almost hitting we're almost at like 20 episodes yeah 
analyzing in such detail and then conversating between you and I about all of the details about these story developments, mm-hmm. about these characters, you've become slightly picky on your storytelling. I have always been picky about the story. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying it's, it's you're sharpening it up week to week. Uh, I think you're just getting more glimpse of what I think as I learn. No, man, you've changed. No, <laughs> that's, the th- that's the thing about story analysis, reading, writing, you sh- you know you sharpen as you go yeah so i'm learning as i go i'm learning new things i'm picking up uh, also you're probably not going to see me this uh, uh critical i guess about certain aspects yeah of things uh or even perhaps this eloquent and that's because i spent all day <laughs> listening to podcasts <laughs> From Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, you did call me today and you were like, if I don't call you and get myself off of this spiral listening pattern, I'm going to get nothing done. Uh, And and so I've just been listening to him talk. Mm -hmm. And so, and he talks very eloquently. Yeah. And so I'm I'm sort of aping, I guess, his (laughs) podcasting style, which I really like. And that's to speak with purpose. Speak with purpose. Slow down. I got to slow down. Take pauses. Take moments. Let you talk a little bit. Do I do that? What? Yeah. I'm going to be... That's a perfect moment. (laughs) I'm going to be talking a little bit about composition, but I've purposefully avoided the rule of thirds, Mm -hmm. explaining that because that is such an obvious one. Yeah. Well, I have... I'm sorry to interrupt your thought. Okay. Most people don't know about the rule of thirds. I would disagree. People that might click on my video for a filmmaking okay. analysis, maybe those people. they know about but, rule of thirds. Uh, I didn't for know the about, wacky wonderful. I didn't show, know about uh, rule of thirds till you explained it. Rule of thirds is a tic tac toe made on a screen. All right, two lines horizontal, two lines uh, backwards, vertical, vertical horizontal, horizontal. tic tac toe. The places, the four spots where they cross or intersect are considered. Um, like golden spots mm-hmm. or hot spots. It's where they think that the human psychology's eyes are trained to find faster. It's pleasant to see focus points in those spots. Yeah. But they also get creative with the rule of thirds. They use it as blocking. So that if they say like a left third or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean it's on that intersecting point where the crisscross is. Mm-hmm. It just means that side of the screen, you yeah. know, or that top of the screen and you'll so also, it breaks it into thirds you know you'll notice if somebody's if a character in a horror movie is on screen mm-hmm. and they are on this side of the screen you know they're they're on this point yeah right it's sort of in the upper upper right hand corner or left yes. hand for you guys um if they want you to notice something scurrying off in the background it's going to be at this point where it's going to be at this point. Most likely. You know, it's not, uh, obviously, you know, for uh, horror movies, it varies because those are yeah. extreme. But for the most part, it's going to be over the shoulder, you know, yeah. at eye line or down here. When there's so a deformed right. naked lady crossing a doorway in the background of your character. Yeah. It's going to be over their shoulder behind them on another third. Right. The op- you, sometimes the opposite third to the main character. Yeah. And this may sound focus. confusing. I'm going to explain it. But he's going to explain it. And uh, I'm also going to explain a little bit about what the Fibonacci Golden Spiral has to do with its own version of a third framing for context, for filmmaking, and how it's used appropriately. So, um, well, specifically, not just a general. I'm going to be looking at the trailer for the Kenobi film. The Kenobi show. We're gonna take shots from there, and yeah. we're gonna break it down for you. All right, that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're. We've gonna talked do. plenty. For right. Now. We have talked. We quite have a- to get to this, yeah. and we'll be back at the end to wrap up our thoughts on Star Wars for this last week of, for the time being, of Star just of Star, Star Wars. Wars. We, we will be back with more wacky, wonderful content. Of course, but let's get into it. Yeah.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the studio. I'm Joe. If you don't know who I am, I'm an indie filmmaker and YouTube content creator. And what I'm doing today is I'm analyzing some shots and the the scene and shot choices for the new Kenobi show that's going to be coming out on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to be looking at it from a filmmaker's perspective, analyzing it, giving you my thoughts on a couple filmmaking aspects so that we can all learn how to analyze films from a filmmaking perspective. Um, this is beneficial to indie filmmakers or just casual watchers that want to be in the know. So um, we're going to start off by... I'm going to get into a little bit explaining the rule of thirds and the golden ratio according to the Fibonacci sequence. Um, but first, I want to explain something that's pretty simple. Um, I'm going to take a look at and play through the Kenobi trailer, Kenobi show trailer, and look at some of the shots they've chosen to include in the trailer. And I'm going to show you how, like a simple way on how to make a cinematic shot with depth. So there's a lot of ways to make something look cinematic. But I'm going to show you the concept of depth before we get into this rule of thirds or golden ratio breakdown. So um, kind of as an added bonus right here at the top. So let's go ahead and play through this and I'll pause it when uh, when I see something I want to explain. Beautiful opening shot. The fight is done. We lost. All right. So I'm going to start off by just doing this. Uh, so I've already seen it a couple times in the first few shots that we've seen. And I'm sure you've probably already seen this trailer by now if you're watching this. So um, when you're creating a scene, when you're creating an environment that the actor or the talent is placed in, um, you want to create depth in your image because everyone thinks of a film like a movie, like a window that you're seeing into another world. But the way to start thinking like a filmmaker is thinking on this X axis, not just Y and Z, but actually the deepness that you are looking directly into. So in order to do that, you have to create depth, not just with, you know, shallow depth of field or not just with even lighting. That's a big part of depth, but even just with how you choose your camera to look as far as a direction and how you set that up. So a good way to do that, just across the board, almost for every shot you can take, except unless it's a really close shot, is create three layers of depth. And so like if you look at this shot, the main layer is um, right here in the center. So you have Kenobi sitting on the ground. He's the focus. And all of this rocky area that he's sitting on, that is the same field deepwise into the image that he is on. So that's the that's the middle the middle area. The first area that's closest to us in this window that we're seeing are these two edges. So you have the first layer that is here that's closest to us that we're looking through. You have the second layer which is all of this and then you have the next layer which is furthest away. And that's all that the desert off into the distance. That is a this is a beautiful example, a very simple yet beautiful example of how to create depth in an image. I'm going to keep going and explain it once again. Uh, I I could explain this one, but I want you to think about it before I explain another one. Tell me if you can kind of see the three layers of depth in this image. Let's keep going. Stay hidden. All right, this is a beautiful example of three layers of depth. You have the character that we are over the shoulder on right here. Right here. So that's the layer closest to us. The, And then you have the focus, which is obviously this character. And then you have the third depth layer, which is behind all of this. So all of this area. So this is 
it seems simple, and a lot of times you don't think about it as you're watching through a film or you're watching through a show or something of that nature, but this is a very simple example to create depth. This is a part of making things look cinematic. When you say something needs to look cinematic or that shot looks cinematic or I want my footage to look cinematic like the movies, a lot of times that is left up for interpretation in a lot of people's mind. We don't really have a clear, defined way of saying what is a in fact cinematic and this is a very awesome way of saying where are my layers of depth in this image so let me try to find one more interesting one because it, it's been all through here um, i want i'm not explaining it all because i want you to analyze it and try to see it for yourself also jedi cannot help what they are all right so well I, I'll, I'll go to another one it's there but their compassion. This is a really easy one. Obviously, we have the feet hanging up here at the top. That is the area that's closest to us, first layer. Then you have these individuals who are right at the front of this crowd, and they're obviously their bodies. That is the second layer, and then the background layer that has even more depth. Now, they actually use depth of field for this, um, so everything looks a little more blurry than what's right here, and this is the focus point right here. So um, they've chosen. It's not the middle ground that's in focus. It's actually the feet that are hanging. So they've changed the focus of it, but yet there are still three layers of this. Let's do one more before I get to the next section. Leaves a trail. Okay, this is an interesting one. The Jedi. Uh, let me back up just a second. I'm going to try to do this one for you. So obviously we have the front and center focus that is indeed actually in focus is this character here. I would say that this light and everything on this plane here is probably going to be the second layer. And then out of focus even more, you have all of this other inner city. And the shot's kind of in process of moving. So um, if in the show it keeps going, we might see more of this city in the background instead of just at the very top of the frame. But uh, that's kind of how you break it down as, as far as layers go. Um, just for fun, let's finish off this trailer. And if I have anything else I want to point out, I will I'll point it out. But if not, we'll just finish off before we the get Jedi to code is the uh, rule, rule of thirds framing. Like an itch. He cannot help it. Where is he? Oh, I got to do this one really quick. So it's pretty obvious. I just, I wanted to point this out because there's cool color difference in this one as well. So obviously we have the center, the middle ground focus here as far as depth, the one closest to the camera and even kind of the wall on this side and right here. Um, that's kind of closest to us. And we have awesome leading lines down through here, by the way. Those are awesome. Um, and then the cool thing is the background layer is kind of this little blocky area here. You see that? And it's cool because the color difference is actually like this yellow hue that's filled with fog above them. So it's not just that we have these colder tones here, but we also um, have this really cool color difference that's a warmer, foggy tone that's more faded in the back. I really like this. As far as in the trailer, this shot, as far as composition goes, is my favorite from the trailer. It's so cool. And just as an example, I mentioned this, you can't do it very well with close-up shots because the focus is kind of the character. You can do it. Um, it depends on where your angles are. But like here, we clearly only have two. We have an empty sky that doesn't give us a lot of texture. But that's okay because we have a lot of texture on the focus, which is Kenobi here. Um, and there's only two layers there. So it's, a, it's not as much depth. But it's okay, it's just a choice that they chose to get that close-up, to get the emotion of the character. Let's finish this off. Ooh. Awesome. So as I promised, I'm going to go over 
The rule of thirds, and some of you may have already known what this is. Some of you may already know very well what the rule of thirds is. I don't want to question your intelligence here, but I actually want to see how they're applying it to shots from this trailer. And there's also another aspect to the rule of thirds that's kind of debated in the creative world very slightly. It's based on the Fibonacci golden spiral. Um, and they call it the golden ratio in filmmaking terms. So if you're not familiar with it, a lot of people have seen this before. The Fibonacci golden spiral is this, I'm not going to go into all the specifics and the maths and the science related to it, but we believe that based on, uh, the universe, everything, some people believe everything kind of falls into this Fibonacci, uh, mathematical progression. Um, in filmmaking terms, it's interesting that it's very similar to the rule of thirds, but we believe that if you kind of mirror on a window, so a specific ratio or aspect ratio for your composition for your screen, that if you mirror them, it actually creates a, and naturally it creates a kind of rule of thirds diagram. That looks kind of like this tic-tac-toe, except the center is pulled in a little bit more than the standard rule of thirds. Um, and so what I've done is I've taken the rule of thirds in red color and the the golden ratio based on Fibonacci in blue color, and I've placed them on top of our screenshot. So let's take a look at that. I wanted to do this because I wanted to see what ratio or what third that they are using during this trailer. So if we look at this, this screenshot right here, it's really fascinating. Remember, the blue is the golden ratio. They're actually using the golden ratio here because they are on this line. And actually, it's kind of weird because it's the, the butt of the animal, but the butt kind of lines up with this little intersecting point here. But the cool thing about when it comes to thirds or the golden ratio is you could put people on a line, you can put people on an intersecting point, or you can even put people like or block things off. So like if you wanted to, like as you can see the sky all up here is blocked off as kind of this upper third area, right? And it's cool because they made a line where the the red rule of thirds line that goes across is, but actually the center of these, the base of these mountains is actually where the golden ratio line lines up across there. So it's not necessarily the edge of the mountains, but rather the base of the mountains, if you see that right there. So it looks like from this, they're taking cues more heavily from the golden ratio. Let's go ahead and keep looking. And uh, another cool thing here is, like I said, you don't always have to put people on the, um, the intersecting points. But if you look at here, the eyes are important. When there's eyes in the scene, it's important because those are tend to be the focus for a specific scene. So if you look here on the Fibonacci, the, the golden ratio, his eyes are literally, it, I when I dropped this on top of these screenshots, I was, it was, it was awesome because literally things lined up so well, according to this, either rule of thirds or the golden ratio, his eyes are right on top of this line, which is very cool. They gave him some lead room here, but also notice he's kind of being blocked off by the rule of thirds so if you kind of see where his head is they've kind of blocked it off right like there if you that's that's what i like personally i like looking at these rules and using them as blocking not just intersecting points there's a lot of ways that you can use them let's look at the next one um once again the golden ratio cutting right through the eyes of the character and the cool thing is it's actually blocking off all of the action. So where the lightsaber goes, her torso is, her eye line, it's blocking it off where the action is. It's like right here. And so it looks like they're taking cues still from the golden ratio, even more than the thirds here. This is a trickier one because you could say that the heel of the boot on this side is kind of hitting... Um, kind of hitting a third, but I'm actually more interested in the blocking of it is kind of where the bottom of the feet lie. And that's right on the line. Um, the other cool thing if we're blocking is kind of 
a little bit off center, but kind of the center of the frame, you have this man looking up and his head hits right in the center of the golden ratio. So let's keep going. And this is a very cool shot as I've already talked about for the depth. Um, this is awesome because they are like the closest you could be to center on Kenobi there without actually being center. I mean, it is, he is barely not center there, but it looks like be, I, there's, it's kind of a split here because you could say that the rule of thirds is cutting at right, right at the, the rock layer there, or you could say they're using blocking to just make a perfect kind of block around him. Either way, um, it's very interesting composition, very simple yet dynamic. And then my favorite shot from the trailer, I would actually say this is probably using a third. Now, the golden ratio is like right next to her, but if I'm looking at these horizontal lines based on the location, then you would see that the third is actually hitting and splitting right where that wall stops. Um, and then also it's kind of closest to her eye line or cutting off right at her head, which, you know, I would probably give this one to the thirds as opposed to golden ratio. And then this one was difficult for me as well, but I'm going to pull my attention to this character over here. Now, this is kind of a shot that pans and uh, dollies at the same time. So it kind of changes, but it's really quick. What I'm more interested is, in is the blocking. So if you see right here on the third, top of the head, and pretty close to the bottom of the feet, a little bit higher than the bottom of the feet, I'm going to give this one to the third because I like the way they chose to block it. But I also, if you look over here at this character, I think that's a she. She's kind of lined up perfectly with the golden ratio. So it's hard to say on this one. However, either way, these two characters, I think during the pan, do actually connect because I think it goes a little further this way. So I think they actually do kind of land on either start or end on the third here. So I'm going to give this one to the rule of thirds. And then this is the last one I have. It's actually rule of thirds very clearly because his eye is right on top of that rule of thirds line. Not so much the golden ratio, more so the rule of thirds. And if they would have just moved him over just a hair, they could have had that eye perfectly lined up, yet they chose not to. Um, they gave him a little bit more more breathing room on this side than they needed to. They could have, you know, pushed him this way just a little bit, but they chose not to, and that's okay. It's a creative choice of the cinematographers and directors on set. I hope this was beneficial, and I hope it wasn't too boring, but this is something that I'm always interested in composition. Filmmakers are thinking in this way constantly. How do they add depth? How do they line things up to maybe psychologically make more sense in people's minds? How are they bringing the focus of the scene to the right spot in the camera frame? And it's, it's constant creative choices always. And there's not really a wrong way to do it. There's sometimes, most of the time, is a better way to do it, though. So it's interesting to kind of compare these two. Um, as I said before, there's a little bit of debate on which one is actually more accurate for the human eye, the rule of thirds or the golden ratio. I think across the board, when we see a trailer like this, that's I'm, I'm saying is using both, I think you can kind of creatively use both as you see fit. Um, personally, I like the way the golden ratio frames things a little better than the rule of thirds, but hey, that is left up for interpretation from person to person. Thank you guys so much for watching the video. If this was helpful, if it was inspirational, or if it was educational to you, I would much appreciate it if you gave this video a thumbs up. I also would love you to stick around and hear me talk more about filmmaking. Hear me uh, explain a little bit more about what I see from movies, shows, trailers, things of that nature from the filmmaking side of things. So if you want to stick around, I want to encourage you to please hit subscribe and hit that bell so you get notified when we come out with another video. Thank you so much. 
Don't go away. Wyatt's going to be in right after me to talk more about Kenobi. Welcome back to the studio. Here we are, kind of at the end of our Star Wars videos, for now at least. We've gone through quite a few at this point. Uh, I want to say seven? All right, seven. We have talked a lot about a a lot of different things, um, and we focused kind of primarily on what is going on in the future of Star Wars and kind of what has been happening in the canonical animated series. So uh, Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars. And we are going to be getting back into Star Wars The Clone Wars this week because uh, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show is coming out. It's going to be out pretty soon-ish when this comes out. And I want to kind of look into some of the things that make Obi-Wan who he is, some of the things that he's experienced. A few weeks ago, we talked, we watched the scene where uh, it's the final fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, and they have some really uh, interesting things to say to each other, a very intimate moment at the end. I think this scene is going to give that scene a lot of weight. It's also going to add a lot of weight to uh, some of the things that are going to happen uh, right after this that happened in Revenge of the Sith, and then hopefully what happens in Kenobi. Uh, just just for a little bit of housekeeping, uh, this takes place in the fourth or fifth season of The Clone Wars and involves uh, characters you'll recognize are Darth Maul, Obi-Wan Kenobi, but there's also in the background, there's Darth Maul's kind of like uh, brother, uh, uh, another of his species from his tribe. Obi-Wan's kind of former love interest, somebody that he had a relationship with years ago, and her name is Satine Kreese. You might recognize the name. Uh, it's mentioned in The Mandalorian and in Boba Fett. The Kreese family, the first Kreese was the first Jedi Mandalorian and made the Darksaber. Um, and another Kreese character is featured in... I, I think several are featured in Mandalorian and uh, Boba Fett. Bo-Katan Kreese, you'll recognize her. Uh, but we're going to watch this scene, and I'm going to kind of pause it when I have something to say. Uh, so let's just get into it right now. Your noble flaw is a weakness shared by you and your duchess. You should have chosen the dark side, Master Jedi. Your emotions betray you. Your fear and yes, your anger. So we know that at this point, uh, Obi-Wan cut Darth Maul in half. Darth Maul kind of wallowed in anger and hatred and insanity for years. Uh, kind of makeshift constructed a spider-like lower half of his body and barely stayed alive for years. Went very insane uh, until um, his brother uh, Savage Opress found him and got him sort of back to normal but he's still searching for that revenge against obi-wan he wants he he all that hatred has it building up uh and he's taking it out on kenobi here by capturing uh satine and he's he's going with that same narrative that we are kind of familiar with from darth maul is that you know you're weak you don't embrace the dark side. That's why I have power over you. And and we can see Obi-Wan uh, getting very upset here. We don't often see Obi-Wan get quite this um, angry at characters. Let your anger deepen your hatred. Don't listen to him, Obi. Quiet. You can kill me, but you will never destroy me. Another 
kind of classic Obi-Wan thing to say. He says uh, to Darth Vader at the end of his life, uh, if you kill me, uh, I will only become more powerful. Because, you know, he kind of knows you know, where he lands on the, uh, on the side of the Force. It takes strength to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. It is more powerful than you know. Um, I'm going to say about that line, Obi-Wan says, it takes strength to resist the dark side. I think that is probably one of the biggest themes um, that we have going here in this video. And for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul in general. Those who oppose it are more powerful than you'll ever be. I know where you're from. I've been to your village. I know the decision to join the dark side wasn't yours. The Night Sisters made it for Silence! You think you know me? It was I who languished for years, thinking of nothing but you. Nothing but this moment. And now, the perfect tool for my vengeance is in front of us. I never planned on killing you. But I will make you share my pain, Kenobi. Also, keep in mind, this is a kid's show. It's made for children, you know, teens. <laughs> it's a very dark, emotional moment for a kid's show. Beautiful music here. Remember, my dear Obi-Wan. So let's talk about that a little bit. Obi-Wan and Satine had a relationship at one point. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the details, but I believe it was one of those, uh, I might leave the Jedi order to be with you kind of relationships. Uh, and obviously, ultimately, he did not do that. Um, Obi-Wan is very... I wouldn't say he like contradicts a lot of his behavior. Uh, in fact, I think he follows the Jedi protocol pretty strictly. Uh, the especially, you know, the um, don't become attached to things. Yet it's the things he gets attached to, and we see with almost every Jedi character, it is the things that they get attached to that are kind of their downfall. And Obi Wan gets attached to quite a lot of things and loses almost every single one of those things. Uh, but I think that's what makes him such an interesting and dynamic character is that even though uh, he loses in the first, uh, in, in The Phantom Menace, he loses his master right here. This is before Revenge of the Sith. He loses a woman that loved him and that he once uh, loved and obviously still felt feelings for. He loses uh, Ahsoka, not in the kind of death way, but she does eventually leave. He loses Padme, a longtime friend of his, um, and to his best friend Anakin, who ultimately he loses at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And yet somehow Obi-Wan does not lose himself, as at least as far as we've seen him so far. Um, in, in the shows, in the movies, he never loses like a grasp on who he is and where he stands with the force. Uh, and in this video, he says, you know, it takes it takes a stronger person to be able to resist the dark side. You know, uh, weak people embrace it. Those who can't fight. And we see Obi-Wan fights. He is an extremely strong character because it seems like almost any other character after experiencing this type of loss would go to the dark side. We see Anakin 
start struggling with that in Attack of the Clones when he loses his mother. Ultimately, just from the thought of losing his wife, he turns completely to the dark side and kills uh, all the other Jedi who most likely friends of Obi-Wan, so he loses all of his contemporaries as well. It's such a strong ideology for Obi-Wan. You know, you don't embrace the dark side. You stay strong. And I think this is kind of going to, you know, it's going to have ripples. It's going to have, we're going to see, I think, this kind of emotion from Obi-Wan, this just sort of pain and agony in the new Kenobi show. Uh, We're going to see his... I think in the show, he is kind of going to start losing himself. You know, he's always strived for what's good, what is uh, right. And I think in the new Kenobi show, he's just going to be at his wit's end. He's lost everything. He they says in the beginning of the trailer, we lost. And I think that's going to, you know, create a dynamic version of Obi-Wan than we have seen thus far. We've seen Grandmaster, you know, kind of aged wizard samurai Obi-Wan. We've seen young, powerful Jedi Knight Obi-Wan. And we're going to get into, I think, lonely, depressed, uh, angry, probably kind of ashamed Obi-Wan because he said it was his fault Anakin turned to the dark side he tried to lead Anakin down certain paths that Anakin was not ready for Uh, and so I think we're going to get a lot of self-deprecating kind of inner monologue actually I hope to see maybe a mention of this moment of kind of the things that he's lost But also, uh, I would like to point out, just before we end the video, kind of the interactions that he has with Maul. Um, Like I said earlier, Maul doesn't change. Uh, He wants revenge. He gets his revenge on Kenobi, sort of, here. But even at the end, when they have their final fight, he still wants revenge against Kenobi. And he wants revenge against the Sith as well. His ideology doesn't change. Uh, And that's a really big character flaw for Darth Maul. I mean, it makes him an interesting and kind of tragic character. In fact, uh, Dave Filoni has mentioned how his end is a tragic one and a very sad one. uh, And Obi-Wan recognizes it because Obi-Wan has fought against the dark side. He's become a more powerful person. He's resisted the temptation. And that has made him uh, a person without fear and a person who uh, is more powerful than Darth Maul could ever become. He says uh, in that final scene, look what I have risen above. Maul just kind of stayed the same, Uh, and Obi-Wan we know gets better, but we don't know how that's going to happen. And I'm super excited to see what they're going to do with Obi-Wan. Who is he going to be? How is he going to kind of become the, you know, Alec Guinness version that we're familiar with from the original trilogy. But if you guys enjoyed the video, be sure to like and subscribe. Tell me what you guys think. Uh, what What's this new Kenobi show going to do? What kind of storylines is it going to take us on? Where the, uh, What notes do you think they're going to hit? I think this is a big scene for Obi-Wan's character development. I think it's uh, it's a familiar one, but it is a big one. Uh, So tell me if you think that this scene in particular is going to have any kind of impact on the story, how you think the show is going to go in general. Thank you guys for watching. Stick around for future videos, and we'll see you next time. As far as Obi-Wan Kenobi goes, Mm -hmm. you brought up the fact that he happens to be a very powerful Jedi Knight. Mm Mm-hmm. And he brought up the whole thing about resisting the dark side is strength. Yeah. Strength. Strength. If you are going to be a Jedi Knight, and then you started getting this temptation. Mm-hmm. Do not resist. Give in to hate. I don't think he ever says that. Give in to hate. No, don't. Fear. <laughs> Uh, either Do way. not say fear is the mind killer. <laughs> yeah. The mind killer fear is. Uh, yes, it is. 
I totally think if Obi-Wan hadn't been bound in shackles, and, and maybe even if he had had a lightsaber, uh, when he makes that angry face, he would have killed all of them. And you think that would be like his... Like, if you make a big mistake like that, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean you, you've pulled to the dark side. It just means I, you gave in to hate. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think he would have given in, you know, in a in an evil manner. I think he probably just would have fought hard because we see every time we see Obi-Wan goes into like this serious mode. Yes. When like his friends are directly threatened, he goes from kind of this like playful hello there. Hello there. <laughs> uh to to this very serious face and you know, he goes whole hog. So yeah, I I can't get over how different Ewan McGregor looks from Phantom Menace to now. Yeah, <laughs> completely different. Way yeah. more stoic and rugged. Almost uh, uh, up until the end of the movie, completely useless. <laughs> completely unnecessary, except for perhaps exposition. He he likes to do this with his arms a lot. He's just like he just puts his. Uh, what are you doing out there, master? He's <laughs> always talking. He's, he's on a Skype call almost constantly with Qui Gon Jinn. Ah, uh, but uh, yeah. Well, he's got so much heavy lifting to do later in the story. Right. He needs to take a break. Dude, I, I think Obi-Wan is probably the best Jedi. I would give it to Ahsoka, but Ahsoka never becomes a full Jedi. Mm. She always remains a uh, an apprentice. Um, or actually, I think she graduates to jedi knight eventually yeah she never becomes like a full uh like she has her own apprentice uh she and then she leaves the jedi order and becomes something else i wouldn't give it to uh i wouldn't give it to ahsoka i would definitely obi-wan is the jedi yeah he is the most jedi he was there for the cultivation of the chosen one Mm -hmm. he was there to see the trans to train the chosen one, to mm-hmm. see the transformation of the chosen yeah. one, ultimately be defeated by his youngling. <laughs> I'm just kidding. His, well, he, uh, he was his apprentice. Obi Wan was not. Defeated. He was not defeated. He gave up. Yeah, for the uh, to become one with the false. Defeated a Sith for the second time. Yeah, but not a he was. But he was Sith also like there. Darth he was also there to usher in, kind of the next chosen one. Yeah. Um, Luke Skywalker, yeah. who is the one who brings balance to the Force. Well, technically, his father does. Technically, Anakin Skywalker kills Palpatine. Yeah, he's the one who brings balance. I'm just saying, with the help of Luke. And I, it's like, I love the narrative of Star Wars, especially the Jedi, where it's like, um, you can't you can't have attachments. You can't be attached to anything. But it's like you know they're attached to their apprentices. They're attached to their masters. We see pretty clearly they are. They're attached to, uh, uh, you know, like friends and mm-hmm. things. Uh, oh, Luke's attachment to his father is what saves the galaxy. Is what saves the galaxy. Darth Vader's attachment to Luke, mm-hmm. you know, is is the physical saving of yeah. the galaxy. Um, not just the theoretical. I think um, I think across the board, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the best Jedi. He is, he is the best. He survived Order 66. He is the most <laughs> Jedi. The most Jedi. He is the most Jedi. He's He might be the Jesus of Jedi. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, there was another scene that I watched where uh, it is with uh, Satine and with Obi-Wan, and they're in this, like, kind of a pickle where this guy is like uh he has Satine captured mm-hmm. she escapes and has a blaster pointed at him obi-wan's there with the lightsaber and he's like i have this button <laughs> he's like so i can blow up everything yeah or Satine is a pacifist he's like you can kill me and become a murderer or obi-wan this isn't the jedi way you can kill me and become a murderer. Oh, dang. Which one of you is going to become a cold-blooded killer? And he's holding out his arms like this. Lightsaber goes through his back. <laughs> and he falls down. And Obi-Wan's like, Anakin. <laughs> and Anakin's just like, 
He was gonna blow up the ship. But you know Anakin could have cut off his arm. Yeah. He could have good scene. But Anakin Anakin uh he already had that darkness in he him. He already had it. It was it was such a good it was so well composed where he's like, Which one of you is gonna be a killer? And then, and then Anakin is like, I, here, I I, am. here I am. <laughs> it's me. There's probably wonderful moments in oh these my shows. Gosh. Yeah, there's uh, there's some kid moments. But of course. Also some really if you want to watch a good a solid arc from the Clone Wars show. Go and watch the uh, the Umbara arc. Okay, it's excellent. Almost no like like kid stuff, so to speak. Umbara arc. Umbara, yeah, it's on a dark planet. Umbara. Because if you know, uh, is that in Clone Wars? Yeah. Okay. the The Latin word for shadow is Umbra. Oh heck and yes, so it's Umbara. It's a dark planet. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think. I think you're. I think. I hope. Mm. Did you Did you take into consideration that they might not include this love story? Absolutely. Into the the series or the show yes. coming up, just because it's not in live action yes. form. But and Dave Filoni's not really a part of it. Yes, but mm-hmm. I hope that the writers and the director will take into consideration poignant scenes you're doing a movie about obi-wan kenobi yes i think it would be a there's dis- tons of black backstory there already i think it would be a disservice to obi-wan yes to ignore all of his extremely emotional scenes that he has in the clone wars um you know if you're gonna cut out kind of like darth maul that's fine i don't care we don't need to see him i, I don't think we need to see darth maul in kenobi at all yeah, because they meet late, later, way later. Uh, but to have like a scene like this, if it's just something that crosses his mind, mm-hmm. it's like going through people that he doesn't have anymore. Yeah, that are gone. Mm-hmm. He's alone in the desert. Tatooine yeah. once again, just he, this constant narrative of Tatooine. He loses Yoda. Yoda, and he was chilling. Yeah, who's not dead, but he did, you know, they both had to go into hiding. He loses everything. Imagine if you, do you think, okay, do you think Yoda and Kenobi ever met up? No. Never? Maybe Yoda would be like, Hello, my old friend. (laughs) But I feel like that would be too much uh, force manipulation and would be sensed by the sith dang be sensed by palpatine that's why they they went to remote areas uh you know and and they never went they went to tatooine because obviously anakin's never going back there Mm -hmm. he hates sand (laughs) and that would get in his respirator and he's got so much bad memories so much like burns yeah (laughs) it's rough of course terrible memories from tatooine his mama died his mama died yeah it's a bad place he's very he hates tatooine with mm. a passion yeah he probably he, they were you know what they never said mm. i mean they, they they said where they were on course to throughout like you know a new hope and you know return yeah. of the jedi but you don't think they were on course to pass by tatooine one day just anakin darth vader be like I hate sand. Blow it up. No, no, no. He, no. <laughs> they were definitely going. They've definitely, he's been around, kind of like around the horn. Mm-hmm. They did pass over Tatooine, sort of, when Darth Vader caught Leia's ship. Oh, yeah. And they jettisoned R2 and 3PO out to Tatooine. But you know Darth Vader was looking out the window going, I ain't landing there. <laughs> I am not touching down on that planet. He was smart, unlike... The creators of Star Wars who keep going back to Tatooine. Anakin warned you. <laughs> he warned us. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. It's filled with just huts and gangsters. Yeah. It, let 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 Denis Villeneuve deal with the sand. <laughs> That's right. And let's go New somewhere franchise. more interesting. It seems like now, obviously, more Tatooine. Yeah. Because that's, that's where he's in hiding. Yeah. Canonic. Canonic. Canonically, 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 canonically accurate. Yeah. Um, but it seems like they have a really cool cityscape. Yeah. Um, do you think, here's a question. 
do you think they're going to try? Is that like the city world from the prequels? Coruscant? Coruscant. I would hope not. Or do you think it's going to be that cool freaking ring world that we saw? Oh, oh, Wouldn't that be be sick? It would be cool. Anywhere where there's like a cool neon city. uh, Because as lovers of, you know, kind of like science fiction-y stuff, we always want to see samurai in neon cityscapes. Yes. And to see Jedi who are samurai Mm -hmm. or Inquisitors who are samurai... Neon in, in the neon cityscape yeah ah man i love it i wish yeah. there had been more neon cityscape in the prequels freaking when they brought the ring world up in the book of boba fett with mando rolling up on there to deliver a head was it a head yeah it was a head <laughs> yes he did deliver that head that was badass yeah that was cool i thought i love that world man yeah that inspired and, the and crap out of never me. seen any any ring worlds in it wasn't like a world it was it was a ring city yeah well that was they're called ring worlds ring world yeah but it was it was more like a city and you know in halo they're more like planets Mm -hmm. uh in a lot of you know uh stories they are worlds do they ever wrap around the outside of it or are they always on the inside of the ring? for the most part it's on the inside of the ring Mm -hmm. but man I, i i saw it and i was like oh yes yes that's good because ring worlds make for such great cinema like yes cinematic moments yes. you see it going up also just the architecture of living on a world that's a spiral mm-hmm. um i remember the first time i ever saw anything like this was from treasure planet yeah what an awesome oh, the, moon. with the station yeah the yeah. station that looks like a moon that's it's cool. like a half moon ah uh, so good yeah um i did you uh did you have any predictions that you want to throw out there before we wrap up this Star Wars episode? So I think I've said this before. I think the Inquisitors are hunting a Force-sensitive youngling person, somebody. And I think Obi-Wan is going to not want to get involved in that, but get involved. Mm. Uh, and I think he's going to fail. He's going to fail? I think he's going to fail. And who do you... Who do you think is the Force-sensitive being? Is it Luke? I think it's going is it to be... Obi-Wan himself? No, I think it's going to be somebody... I think they're going to be chasing somebody new. Oh. Uh, and I think he's going to get involved. Um, if... It would be extremely interesting if... It was Grogu. <laughs> no, if it was the character from the video game Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. Who, you know, we see Inquisitors... Mm-hmm. he fights inquisitors this may be after after that i think it's i don't know it would be around the si- a similar time yes but it would be very cool if it was that character um but yeah i'm i'm not sure I, i'm really not sure i definitely hope they get off tatooine for a little bit yeah and i really would hope to see a little bit of communication with force ghost qui-gon Jinn. Heck yeah, that would be yeah. sick. Um, I think they're downplaying Darth Vader, but he's very much going to be present in the mm-hmm. show. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to play as far as a role in this. If he's just going to be like a force, um, I'm curious to see if they're going to have like a, a combating and Darth Vader's like, you're still alive, you know? Yeah. Maybe. I feel like it's early enough. It could have. It's early enough for there to be like uh, a clash, mm-hmm. but it would have to be off world because yeah. he can't. He, he can't, can't leave know Darth that. Vader back yeah, to he Tatooine. can't. He can't. You got to protect that little boy, Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any predictions. You know me. I don't. I, I can't predict things. All so right. I'm gonna experience as it comes and I give my thoughts after. Okay. How about that? That's good. Um. That's all my thoughts, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you guys so much for watching this Star Wars, uh, what did we call Campaign. It? Campaign. Yeah. We did uh, quite a few Star Wars episodes. And you know what? 
I don't think I've really felt burnt out on Star Wars. Really? Yeah, it was. I actually felt burnt out at the beginning. I was like, there's too much Star Wars. There's so much Star Wars. Now you got into a groove. Now and you're I, like, I could go about mm, I was like, I could go another four week. or five more weeks. Um, <laughs> but we hope you guys will stick around and watch more videos. We will have another campaign coming out. Two weeks. Two weeks. We don't know what it's going to be. But we will, um, you'll find out when we release Maybe it. six or seven episodes on the Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the Princess Bride. I got a lot of filmmaking to talk about that. Yeah. No, I actually, I have a few ideas rummaging in my head. Okay. So. Rummage away, bro. Uh, we'll get back with you in two weeks uh, to keep up with us on a weekly basis. Follow the Wise Works podcast. Yeah. Um, once again, it's on the channel you're watching this on or on the Spotify, you know, page you're watching this on or Rumble. Right. We're there. So just keep in touch with us through the podcast, WiseWorks podcast, and we'll see you there or we'll see you here once again in two weeks. Thanks so much.